Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Today we have got an exciting podcast that we're bringing to you because we've got one of our all-time favorite personal guests, Deb Laser. Deb's going to join Greg and me today uh, on the podcast, and uh, we've been excited to, to have you join us again, Deb. So welcome. Thank you. I and just a, love it. Oh, great. And welcome back, of course, uh, Greg Miller, our host. And again, it is great to be here. And um, Deb, I also want to just say how thankful we are that you are with us. And, you know, the question that I've been getting over the last several months as I've interacted with people is kind of, how is Deb? How is Deb doing? And so if you don't mind, I'd just like to take a moment and create some space for you to be able to check in and um, share with us how, how you are. Well, I appreciate us starting with just being authentic because I have a lot of people that ask me that too. And what I know is that it's always a complicated answer and it involves the both and of being incredibly grateful for so many things and so much love and support that has been poured out on me and um, my family uh, ever since Mark passed away. And it's filled with a lot of grieving besides and um, I think I, I feel like I am doing well and living through a lot of the, a lot of the elements of recovery, actually, that I'm mm-hmm. using now in another difficult situation. And that means a lot of surrendering. It means a lot of slowing life down. I've uh, obviously taken some uh, months off of work, and I've also taken a lot more time to just live really one day at a time, sometimes just an hour at a time, putting one foot in front of the next, doing the next best thing for myself, really listening to how the Spirit is speaking to me about what's going to give me some peace and healing each day of my life. So I feel pretty grounded, and I have a lot of calm. I Mm -hmm. I know God is in this, and there's a lot of it I don't like, and there's a tremendous amount of aloneness and uh, missing Mark and all that we've done together professionally as well as personally. Um, But all in all, I guess if I used a few words, it was, I think I'm doing well. Mm -hmm. Well, what I would also add is how I've experienced you, being with you on this journey and just being an observer is how the work that you have done has allowed you just to be present with yourself and others in this experience. It's it's really modeling what healthy grief is. It's not about being rescued from something or denying something. It's about having the capacity to be in it and to be with others in it. And mm-hmm. um, that's so encouraging. You know, a lot of people want to know what the journey of recovery is about, and it really is about being present in your circumstances and not being consumed by them or being defined by them. And mm-hmm. I think you've modeled that very well. And you've mm-hmm. done a great job of including Beth and I in your journey, and we are grateful. Yeah, I think you are two of the people who, who get the most authentic of me, <laughs> which includes a lot of sadness and mm. a lot of just conversations and story sharing and anger, to be honest, mm. about the situation and even anger at God at times for why, why Mark. And when he was uh, so prepared to offer so much to so many people, I have a lot of questions mm-hmm. that I've said before, but... It feels very good to have authentic people to share that with. I realized today in two of my sessions we're already talking a lot about death, and I think a lot of people would like to have places to go to just talk through some of that. So the other thing I would say is that um, it doesn't hurt me or harm my process for people to ask me Mm -hmm. um, about things and ask me about Mark or whatever. I find that sharing those stories is actually healing for Mm -hmm. me, so... 
um, for people not to be afraid about that. Absolutely. I w- was mentioning to Deb in a conversation earlier that um, I was speaking at a conference and the speaker in front of me was um, talking about grief and she created a list of things that um, people who were grieving wished others knew. And one of them was that it doesn't hurt us to talk about or to be asked about the person who has died, that that mm-hmm. actually is an invitation to remember and the remembering can be healing. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, a great word. I find that for sure. Well, what we wanted to talk about is um, back in November, uh, you had written an article for the Faithful and True newsletter. And um, it really was about just kind of where you were and the things that you are becoming aware of. And kind of the, the catch line was what I know. And in reading that, it was just very powerful for me. And I just at the moment thought this would be a great thing for us to have a conversation about as you continue just to get clear about with all that's gone on with the the changes, the chaos, the loss. And what are those like clear things that you are becoming aware of that are markers for you on the journey? So I'd, I'd like for us just to talk about the article and anything that you've become aware of since then. So we're going to just open it up with, so Deb, in this season, what is it that you know? What are you aware of? I think one of the very first things that I'm aware of is that we all wouldn't probably be doing a lot of the grieving we're doing about Mark's loss if, in fact, we hadn't started out our life fairly early on with his story of crash and burn. Mm-hmm. And back then, who would have ever thought that you know all of this good would have come out of that and that God would have used that and really allowed us to turn our life into something that was probably headed in a very different direction. Mm -hmm. And I know the hundreds and hundreds of people I've heard from and seen since Mark's death um, probably would not have even begun to be a part of our life had Mark not been willing to be honest about his story and be encouraged to be public about it, Mm -hmm. to be quite honest, and allow others to be present in that pain with him and to help him learn, and then eventually for him to turn around and and use that story to help others heal. And what I know for sure is I'm so grateful that became my life. It started out very hard early on, and what's true is we had a lot of wonderful things in our life and our marriage, three beautiful kids, uh, careers. There was a lot about our life that was wonderful, and I had no idea how God could use something as painful as addiction to lead us onto even greater things and serving Him in our lives and in the world in such greater ways than we would have probably ever done. Mm-hmm. So I know that for sure, and it gives me a lot of hope with people that we work with too that when they come in in these really difficult, painful places that I know for sure God is at work. You said mm-hmm. that at the memorial service. Mm-hmm. We don't always know how quickly, how fast, how he will do that. And that in time, he will take these things that are very painful and he will allow them to turn into something that is good. Mm-hmm. And I'm even in a place of that now in all my pain and loss of Mark. You know, I'm I'm waiting for the day when I, I can rest assured that there will be something good that mm-hmm. will come from this really hard season. Well, one of the principles here at Faithful and True is that God has the capacity to use all aspects of our story for His redemptive purposes. And it's about our stewarding our story. And that was one of the things that Mark and you model so well. It's that it's not about hiding it or denying it. It's about embracing. And you know, we often say, whatever is true is true. 
And God has the grace and the love needed to take all aspects of who we are and use those for our own transformation. And it's not about God causing things. A lot of times we want to rush and and believe that maybe God was active in creating something. Sometimes it's simply about the beauty of God is, even if God wasn't a part of the decision and the decision was destructive, God is so big and loving that good and redemptive things can come from even that. And that's, that's I think, where we offer hope and that's where we get our hope. Mm-hmm. And what I know for sure is we often don't see what those things are going to be for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And it's always in looking back, finally, after years, usually, we can put together, it's like, oh my, that's how he used that circumstance. That's mm-hmm. how he used that person in my life. That's why he led me to that counselor for this kind of help. That's, mm-hmm. You know, putting the story together often takes a very long time mm-hmm. to see the good that will come out of that. You know, one, one of the things that Mark loved and would talk about was flying. And one of the things about flying is that when you're on the ground, your view is very limited. You can only see things up close. But when you take off and you get into the air as time progresses, your view of the very same thing changes because you can see things in this broader, more expansive way. And I think that grief is like that. In the very beginning, we are just consumed by the moment and what we can see in this this season. But in time, our view changes and we begin to see in a greater way. And in those moments, we begin to see God's activity. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I come from a sports family, so <laughs> I, I've used a sports analogy about two different times I've been to a Vikings football game. And the first time, someone gave us tickets, and uh, I guess they were pretty well known because it was the front row at the Vikings mm-hmm. game, which we thought was very, very cool. But as you said, sitting in the front row, I don't know, what little I know about football, I couldn't tell <laughs> what was going on. It was like I was in the game. Um, playing the game, and I couldn't see anything. But the second time I went to a Vikings game, we sat in the very top row in the Metrodome at that Mm -hmm. time. And it did. It seemed like I was forever away, almost needed binoculars to see what was going on. But in some ways, and in some Mm -hmm. ways, I could see a whole lot more about how the game was being played. Mm -hmm. And having that distance or having, you know, in our case, time to pull away, get farther away from something, I've always felt has been a very healing part of Mm -hmm. whatever it is. It gives you a whole different perspective. And yeah, for so many of the people that listen, maybe their life has gone through that crisis and they are in that place of grief and loss and chaos. And in that moment, it's all that you can see. But again, the hope is that in time, there will be this greater view that will let you see more clearly your own self and your own story and also God's love and activity. Mm -hmm. What, what are some other things that you are aware of that you know? Well, what I know for sure is um, one of the things that <clears throat> Mark was told early on by our wonderful counselor, Maureen, uh, when he went to share his story for the first time, and she said, you know, you must have done a lot of those hurtful things because you were in so mm-hmm. much pain. And it was such a beautiful response to his shame at the time and his hopelessness about ever being anything ever again. And it allowed him really to move forward and to begin to understand what that pain was that Mm -hmm. led him to find ways to comfort himself. But what really helped us to become partners in the journey is when I was able to also accept the concept that we all are in pain at times. Mm -hmm. There are none of us that live without trouble and pain. 
And once I knew that, and once I knew that I had found my own ways of comforting my pain, they were just different ways than Mark was comforting his. And not that we need to compare apples to apples. Mm -hmm. But the idea that we are all in some ways struggling um, with the idea that we've made mistakes, that we've done things that have not lived up to our desires to be a lovable person, that we create shame out of that is is universal. Mm -hmm. And so whether I'm working with women who are in relationships with betrayal or Mark was working with men who had betrayed, in some ways our journey was a lot the same. Mm -hmm. We were dealing with pain and we were both finding ways to medicate that through various behaviors or substances. And we could become partners when we began to understand that about each other. Mm -hmm. Our early counseling, thankfully, helped us to understand that very quickly. And I find that, um, you know, for many people, focus is so much on behaviors that they miss the opportunity of that very deep healing. And what I know for sure is watching, you know, not only our story transfold and yours and so many others here, uh, even on the staff, but those that we work with is when, when they can be led into that place of healing, to know that really ultimately our, our first goal is to know how loved we are by God and that we will mess up in life. We won't live that perfectly. And if we don't accept that truth about ourselves, we will all continue to start doing things mm -hmm. to uh, comfort ourselves, medicate that place. I had the opportunity to um, speak at this place and um, they were they wanted to they wanted me to speak about the addiction culture and a lot of times when we talk about the addiction culture we talk about the availability of things that we can be addicted to but what i begin to understand about the addictive culture is one of the foundational principles is that we are taught that pain can be avoided and that pain is the enemy because if i'm told that pain can be avoided then i'm going to do whatever i have to do to avoid the pain and if the pain is the enemy, I'm going to do everything I can to push it away, which is going to lead to addictions. So really to, to change that culture, it's about beginning to understand that pain is inevitable and it's not the enemy. It's not avoiding it, it's stewarding it. And I think that's very much what you're speaking to as far as one of the principles here at Faithful and True is understanding the role that pain has had in our life. And it's not minimizing it or catastrophizing it. It's just understanding it and not being defined by it. Yeah, exactly. And that, you know, maybe that's why we have scriptures like, mm -hmm. you know, rejoice in your trials and uh, be grateful for your adversities because God will use those to grow our character. And, mm -hmm. and I do find that, that, you know, much as we hate being in hard places and suffering and being in pain, I know the truth for myself is that's when I have have really looked at character, changed character, um, looked for different ways of being in relationship with the Lord. That where is my dependency? Who am I really trusting? Mm -hmm. Am I trying to do this all on my on my own, or mm -hmm. you know, do I really have the power of the Lord in my life to lead me in some ways that I can't for myself? And those things come out of places of pain, you know. So I think as long as we're doing well, we tend to have kind of a self righteousness and empowerment mm -hmm. to, to believe we don't need anybody or anything else in our life. Mm -hmm. So a belief in faithful and true is that, you know, can we embrace pain, allow it to be what it is and to, to serve its purpose inside of us to help us grow up to be the best version mm -hmm. of who we can be. 
you know, we often talk about the, the pain, the difficulties, the challenges are the on-ramp to the transformational journey. Mm-hmm. We still have to choose the journey, but the pain creates a vulnerability that is necessary that makes it maybe more possible for us to say yes. Mm-hmm. What I know for sure as well is that um, while we deal primarily with um, people coming through our front door who are dealing with sexual addiction, the truth is that all these things that we want to help them with have everything to do with any adversity in their life, mm-hmm. any crisis, any pain, any suffering. And the beautiful thing about that is we can take them and use them specifically with this addiction initially. But when they've been here for a while, they take those away and everything about their life becomes healthier mm-hmm. and richer because they have these tools and they have these new ways of thinking and feeling and expressing and being authentic And I was sharing that with a client this morning, you know, that I think as I've aged and gone through any number of things that have been difficult, I was glad that this crash and burn happened fairly early Mm -hmm. on in my life because all all that I experienced from that, I've been able to use each and every time, including right now Mm -hmm. in the loss of Mark's life. Absolutely. I I often said my, my mother died earlier this year and then with Mark's death, the gift of recovery was that I could be present in it and experience it, and I didn't have to be a distant observer from it. And prior to recovery, I was basically absent from my own life. But the gift of being present in that and being present with others, I think that is where we experience hope and the power of community and not being alone in that. Well, we have time for one more thing. Is there one more thing that you've learned? Yeah, I want to make sure I get this one last one thing I know for sure is that um, faithful and true is not either Mark or myself. And um, I know there's always been concern if Mark's not here, what will that mean for faithful and true? But I, I really do believe, and I know Mark would believe this true too, that what we have here, what we offer here, what we want to give to people here is not us specifically. It's a way of of healing Mm -hmm. and enriching our lives to become the best people that we can become, the people that God chooses us to be. And that's what faithful and true is. Mm -hmm. And so I look forward to the philosophy of what we practice here and how we love people here to be faithful and true, not not just us as people. Mm -hmm. We are an integral part of gathering wonderful staff like you and Beth and Jim and Elizabeth and all, all these and Chris and all the folks that we have here who who also are are counseling and teaching and and being present with our clients in the same way that Mark and I chose to be as mm-hmm. well. And that's what faithful and true is. Absolutely. And I would even say that in the last several years you and Mark have been so faithful to really seek God's leadership in developing the team. And what's true is, um, since Mark's diagnosis, there were times when he needed to take a step back, and he wasn't as present in the day-to-day experience here at Faithful and True, or wasn't able to be as invested in the workshop. And because of um, how you have mentored and developed and encouraged us who are here, the workshop or the day-to-day operations, the resources continue to operate well. And I think that that's an indication of how effective your leadership was, is you created a system that if you did need to step away for a moment, things continue to go well. Mm-hmm. And we are very thankful for that. Yeah. Well, we are too. The, you know, just the staff, the family here that's 
that's developed over time. I mean, I think we've all worked so much together that we can almost speak for each other. Mm-hmm. We know what it, what one another would say in mm-hmm. certain situations. I don't know that we'll ever exactly have Mark's humor, will we? But <laughs> right, no. <laughs> um, but we certainly know it, and and um, you know, we we just trust in how we all love to love people here. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a wonderful thing about Faithful and True. I love that part about continuing that as we move forward. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of uniqueness, is Mark's absence will always be felt because he had a unique contribution. And we continue on as a community with his presence and his essence through how he built into us and mentored us and how we experienced him. And that's kind of the hope of family. Mm-hmm. For sure. Well, thanks for letting me speak. I will about thank you for being yeah, with the, us. The yeah. thank you comes from us to you, Deb. Uh, our listeners always uh, respond so positively when you're on the mm-hmm. podcast with us. I, uh, hearing you and Greg talk, it's I'm reminded that uh, Faithful and True is a hope distribution center. Mm-hmm. People come here just desperately in need of hope. And that seems to be something that uh, gets distributed in large, uh, you know, doses here. Uh, Speaking of Mark's love of humor and love of sports, um, since his passing, I have thought of him so many times, either watching The Voice mm-hmm. or watching a sports uh, a sports um, event, because he would come in the door, and that's the first thing that he and I would talk about, mm-hmm. either what Virginia Tech had done this weekend, or the Vikings, or any of our local teams, and uh, who do you think is going to make the Final Four in the you know on The Voice? And that was always a, an awful lot of fun. So I, I, I think to myself now, I wonder in heaven, I wonder what Mark's view, mm-hmm. you know, of all the nonsensical things that we call life down here on earth. But uh, I, I keep hoping that, that, that he can still, uh, you know, be seeing some of that because I know he'd have his opinions on mm-hmm. it anyway. Well, Deb, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. And uh, once again, as we have... Uh, kind of picked up the uh, the torch in hopes of moving forward and moving forward with uh, Greg sitting in the in the lead chair there and doing a wonderful job. Uh, Greg is a gifted teacher, and uh, I hear that many, many times from the men that come to the workshop and anyone that is counseled with Greg. Uh, he's greatly appreciated here. So we hope that today's show has been, for you, the listeners, um, beneficial and and giving you a deeper view of um, of life after mark uh, here for us and we hope that this coming week is going to be a week for you that's filled with many blessings and great vision <laughs>